You'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I was kind of reflecting this morning during the singing that um, I, I don't know how different this is from the sermon last Sunday, <laughs> um, which maybe that means something, but um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Second Corinthians chapter 5, I want to begin with verses, um, verse 18. We'll read to the end of the chapter, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. It reads as follows, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And if you were here last Sunday, you're suddenly aware that this may be, again, a very similar sermon. But... There is no problem with repeating some of the same themes in a slightly different way. After all, that is what the Scripture does repeatedly for us over and over and over again. It tells us the same story from Genesis to Revelation over and over again. And that is the story of God's pursuit of us to restore or reconcile, if you will, the relationship that drove us apart. But where I really want to focus today is this idea that it calls us ambassadors for Christ, ambassadors for Christ. Maybe some of us um, a little bit older remember a, uh, a program in a lot of Baptist churches called a, a Royal Ambassador Program that maybe we were a part of. And that's, I think, where they get this concept from. But I want to talk about what an ambassador is for a minute because many of us probably don't know what that really means. Uh, I had the privilege of one of my uh, professors in college had been an ambassador I don't remember where, but I remember the fact that he did and traveled all over the world and was um, asked by the U.S. government to go and represent the leader of the government, as in the president. Uh, the president appoints the ambassadors to go out to other countries and to do this. So an ambassador is someone who is uh, appointed and is a respected official who acts as a representative of the one who is being uh, the one who sent him. Right? So an ambassador is someone, I, if I wanted to go and, and, and spread a message, but I couldn't physically go, I would appoint someone who would serve as my ambassador to go out and to share that message with someone else. When we think about ambassadors, we typically think about them as going out into a foreign country or into a foreign land, as in the case of a, a U.S. state ambassador who goes to another country to uh, spread a message and share what our interests are and what we're desiring to be done. There's a lot that goes into this, um, into this role, but a couple of things I want to point out. And, and I think as we think about an earthly ambassador, it will help us to understand what we're talking about here with a spiritual ambassador, as in we are the ambassadors of God. So again, it is a, a position that is sent out uh, by someone and they're given authority to go. 
But there's some very important things that are about an ambassador that really make a lot of sense. The ambassador doesn't get to go say whatever they want to. They have a message that they are given, that they are to convey on behalf of someone else. So they don't get to go make up their own rules. They don't get to go do whatever they want to. They are with a purpose being sent, usually, as I said, to a foreign land to make known a message. Now, they might have to explain the message. They might have to say, well, this is what this means. They would have a dialogue or a discussion with the person who's supposed to receive it to try and express the point of uh, the one who is ultimately sending the message. But they don't get to negotiate the message. They don't get to change the message. They don't get to alter the terms of the deals or, or the plans or anything like that. They are simply to urge and explain and state and reinforce the message that they are being sent to give. They are also to honor the one who is sending the message. So we can have lots of discussions, and thankfully in this country we're allowed to you know, mock our leaders all the time, which is honestly a good thing. We're allowed to say whatever we want to, and so some of us may be excited or disappointed about whoever our current leader is. But here's the thing. An ambassador doesn't get to go and badmouth the leader that sent them. That's not their place. Now, that can be my place as a free citizen to say what I think about a leader and their job. But if I am being sent on behalf of that leader, I certainly can't go and not represent that leader well. That is my sole duty as an ambassador. And the other thing we note is this is an office of great dignity. There's not very many ambassadors. They're appointed, they're sent, they have a message to give, and there's not very many of them. It's actually a, a great importance of a position. An ambassador, and uh, especially to, to you know, other countries, would have a large staff that works with them and a variety of things, but this is a very special and appointed thing. Now, just a reminder, they don't have any individual power. They don't carry with them the power. They carry the message. So let me try and explain this again, only do it in more of a spiritual way so that we can understand what this message is trying to tell us today. Because last Sunday, I tried to answer two questions. What are we saved from and what are we saved for? And real quickly, again, this is going to be a very similar sounding message, so maybe some of us needed it twice or some of us weren't here last week. But this idea, what are we saved from? We're saved from this separation that has happened between us and God. God wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to, as it says in this uh, chapter and verse, to reconcile, to restore the relationship that I broke, that we broke. And He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, which this passage said was without sin, to die on my behalf so that I could be restored or reconciled back to Him. That's what we're saved from, is a separation from God. What are we saved for, as I said last week, is to, uh, to know Him and to have a relationship with Him. Well, the other part of this is not only are we supposed to have a personal relationship with Him, to know Him, to love Him, to talk with Him, to spend time with Him, but we are also called to be His ambassadors for Him. So we are to go out into a foreign land to share his message of reconciliation. 
So those of us who come to know the Lord, who can point back and say, I was saved at this point in time. I know that the Lord has dealt with me and I know that I belong to him, even though I'm not perfect. We are then told and called to be an ambassador on behalf of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Because the scripture clearly teaches this world is not our home. Once we have been saved, and I didn't read the first verse, verse 17 above. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away and all things have become new. The reality is this, that when we come to know the Lord, we don't belong on this earth anymore. We don't belong here. But we're still here. And that means that while we are here, we have a duty, we have something we are obligated to do. And we are supposed to go out into a foreign land, if you will, and to perform those duties. And those duties are not things that I get to make up. I don't get to wake up one morning and decide on behalf of the one who sent me, on behalf of God, what I'm going to say. I have to do what he tells me to do. I have to be obedient to him. I can't go around and misrepresent him. You see where this is all coming together. I can't go around and pretend like it's my authority. No, it's the authority of the one who sent me. I am simply speaking on his behalf. I can't go and negotiate a different type of deal. I can't go to you and say, well, this is what I think uh, you have to do to be satisfied with God. Only God can tell you that. All I can do is give you the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the message of reconciliation. That is the only thing that I can do, to you, do for you. Now, again, as I said, an ambassador goes out. And they don't just simple have like, you know, a little script, like I'm going to read these sentences and sit down. No, their job is to explain, to encourage, to answer questions. But that can only go so far, if you will, because the message comes from someone else. I can't give you different terms. If I stand before you today and tell you, well, you can uh, earn your way into heaven by doing good works, that's exactly contrary to what the scripture says, and I am not being an ambassador. Any more than to tell you that, well, it says here that if you're a member in this church, then therefore you are right with God. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. The only thing that I'm allowed to tell you is what the God of our fathers has told us, that we must love him and do his work according to to the scriptures that he's given us. And that's it. I can't take this any further. I can't twist it. I can't change it. I can't add anything to it. I can't make anything happen of my own power because I do not have the power of God. Only God has that power to work in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure is what the scripture says. And so we must understand our role that we have. Now, I believe that all of us are ambassadors. I believe that those who know the Lord and have been saved are ambassadors. That's what this scripture, I believe, says. I have a peculiar and unusual uh, position in that, and that God called me and commanded for me to stand before and preach to those who will listen. But that doesn't change the fact that you, I believe, have the same role. You are an ambassador. You are supposed to be going out and doing what God has told you to do. Let me give you a couple of support verses for this, if perhaps you, uh, well, I think you believe me, but if you don't or want to uh, dive further, and let me just say with that, I'll, I'll just pause here and say it aside real quick. Um, yeah, I think, I think most of you probably believe me, but should you? Be careful. 
And I'll say that about myself. I try to tell you the truth. But be careful. Everything that you hear from a man of God should be backed up by the Scriptures. And if it doesn't match what the Scripture says, then we must discard it. It's very clear. So, I give you proof and support text because that's what I should do. I should argue my position based on what the Scripture tells us because that is how we are to learn. So, 1 Thessalonians, so a few pages, uh, a few books to the right, we find uh, a couple of verses. 1 Thessalonians, I'll be in chapter 2, 3 through 6. Paul is reminding the church at Thessalonica, where we get the name of the book from, And he tells them as follows, 1 Thessalonians 2 and 3, For our exhortation or speech or message was not of deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor of guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. And he goes on and says that for... um, Neither at any time use we flattering words, as we know, or a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been a burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherith a child. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also of our own souls, because you were dear unto us." And so Paul is reminding this church that he went and he lived into their lives. He gave them everything that he could. He was an ambassador on behalf of Jesus Christ, not of his own power, not for his own glory, not for his own strength, but instead the message that God wanted to give them. And he was willing to live into their lives and give them everything he could to try and get them to know this one single message. Why? Because he loved them as individuals and he loved God and was obedient. And so I stand here before you today and I try to give you this exact same message thousands of years later. And you know what's changed? Absolutely nothing other than the language that we're using to express it. Listen, brothers and sisters, the only thing that matters is your relationship with God. That's it. And after that, what God tells you to do with that, and he has anointed us, given us an ambassadorship, which means we need to go out into the world and we need to represent him to a lost and dying world. That's what Paul and the others who are with him did repeatedly in the New Testament, and that's what we are still to do today. That is a a tall task. That is a challenge that we are to do. We are representing the kingdom of God. In another place, John 18 and 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. You see, Jesus Christ understood his mission very well. He was not to come and to build an earthly kingdom. The disciples had that very confused. They thought he was coming and he was going to... Take the throne in the city of Jerusalem and reign on earth. And it was not to be. Now, someday he will reign on earth, but that time has not yet come. And as it has not yet come, it means that this kingdom, this world, is not where he is. He is in heaven, and we are here. We are in a foreign land. You could say we are in an occupied land. And our mission as the royal ambassadors of God is to share the message of Jesus Christ. And that's it. 
We are to share that message. Again, not to come up with our own clever way of doing it, but to simply share the message of Jesus Christ. We represent another kingdom. Now, the Apostle Paul understood this very well because in other places uh, in the Scriptures he talks about this. But let me just ask a quick question for you real quick. Do you look like you belong in this world? Do you act like you belong here? Well, what does that mean? Well, if this is a fallen world, and it is, if this is a world full of sin, and it is, if this is a world that's separated from God, how well do you fit in? Now, there's a certain degree that we do fit in, right? I mean, we're humans. We're here. We're living in this world, and we can't help it. But brothers and sisters, I am afraid that far too often we look exactly like the fallen world around us, and you can tell almost no difference. Now, we must understand our culture. We must be able to speak to those who are in this culture. And an ambassador, before they get sent to a foreign country, they need to know what? The language of where they're going. They also have to know the culture. This is really, really important. In my former career, we had a little guidebook. We had lots of immigrants from all over the world in the city where I worked. Large populations. And they had very different um, customs, if you will. So, for example, there was one large population in the city. And uh, to make eye contact was a sign of disrespect in that culture. Well, that's pretty much backwards from ours, right? All of you who are parents or dealt with young children, right? If the, if the kids, you know, wander around looking over here while you're talking to them, you say, look at me, I'm talking to you, right? You want that attention, you want that respect. But if the culture you go into has the opposite tradition, and it doesn't matter either way, that's not a, a right or a wrong thing, it's just a difference, right? And you go into a culture, and the person standing there will not make eye contact with you, but instead crosses their arms and looks straight down. We in our culture would take that as a very offensive sign. This person is not listening to what I have to say. But in that culture, it would be a sign of actual respect and the fact that they are listening to you. And when they stare at you in the eyes, get ready. We must understand the culture we're in if we are to reach it. But we must not become too much like it. That is a really hard balance. That's a really hard balance. So as an ambassador would be prepared to be sent out, they would study language, they would study culture, they would study history, and they would study traditions. Not necessarily so they can engage in all of those things when they get there, but that they would understand how to spread the message. The way and things that I preach about today is probably not quite the way things may have been done 119 years ago, as we said this morning, for the age of this church. Things are probably a little bit different. Delivery methods may be different. Different preachers deliver different messages in different ways. But brothers and sisters, the thing that never changes is the actual message. 119 years ago, a little bit that way, in the forest, right? the message should have been exactly the same. Whether or not it was preached from behind a pulpit or off to the side or some other way, the message is the same because the message has been given by the one who has the authority. We must not look too much like this world, but yet we must understand it. Well, how do we do that? Well, Jesus himself tells us in Matthew 19 and 16, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, 
So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Well, we break that apart. Do we ever think about that? What did God tell us? We're going to go be ambassadors. He's sending us out like sheep, helpless, dumb animals in the middle of a pack of wolves. We did a study a number of years ago looking at sheep. I hope some of you remember that and can recall that. But sheep are, um, let me give a few attributes of sheep. They're really not that smart. They get themselves into all kinds of trouble. They run around in little herds following each other around. They don't really know what they're doing. They have to be taken care of. Hence why so many times in Scripture we talk about the shepherd, which is Jesus Christ, who takes care of the herd. But he himself is telling us at this point, he's sending us out like a bunch of defenseless, not very intelligent, uh, group-following, herd-mentality sheep into what? Into a bunch of wolves. You ever watch wolves operate? Maybe on TV? See how they work in packs together and they come around and they surround and pick off the weakest one? Brothers and sisters, that is the position that we are in. God has left us here to fulfill his mission. And while we are doing that, we must work together for his glory and share his message. And how do we do that? Well, it says we must be as wise as serpent and as innocent as doves. And we get from this concept the idea that we go out into the world expecting it to try and harm us. We must actually think and be wise about how we do this. It doesn't mean we trick anybody. It doesn't mean that we lie anybody. It doesn't mean that we try and, and, and fool somebody or get them to do something they shouldn't. We must be as gentle as doves yet must be thinking about how this works. That's why we have to know the culture yet not be consumed by it. Because we have to meet a lost people where they're at. God has given us the ability to do this. Now, some of us, I'm kind of bring this full circle. Some of you might someday be sent to a culture that you know nothing about to share the message of the gospel. Some of you have done that. But until that time, the rest of us are sent where? Right out those two doors. Into a community that we know. Into a language that we understand. And into a culture that we probably too closely identify with. And what are we to do? We're to be wise as serpents, yet as gentle as doves with people. To do what? To share the message that God has given us. Now, one other thing I want to point out, or a couple more things. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do this. And I want to make that very clear. Just as an ambassador doesn't have any authority in their own right, I have no authority whatsoever. The power of God rests in his believers through the Holy Spirit to make obvious or manifest the things that he wants to share. It is not up to me. It is not up to you. You don't have the authority to do certain things. The only authority you have is what Jesus said, which is go and proclaim the reconciliation, the bringing back together, the gospel, the good news, and the message. The Holy Spirit comes upon us to do that. Acts 1.18 I'm sorry, 1 and 8 says, the first part of it, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, the believers were gathered after Christ conquered death and rose. And he told them, he said, wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't go out yet. Wait until the one who guides you comes and gives you the power that only he can give. See, I guarantee you today, if a current U.S. ambassador was to go and do something that the president didn't approve of, the president would yank that person right back and say, uh-uh, that is not in your power or authority to do that. You can only do what I tell you to. 
can only have the power that I give you. Brothers and sisters, today we must make sure that we're following and then abiding by the power that the Holy Spirit has given us. That also means we must know the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. Again, we must take this gospel and this message everywhere. The other part of Acts 1.8 says, not only but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, then it goes on and says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. So where will we be witnesses? Where are we to take the message that God has given us as ambassadors? We are to do it where? Right here in your home, in your Sunday school class, with your group of friends, at school, at work. Those people who you have influence on, that's what this is saying, our small community right here. We must make sure that we are sharing with our community the message of the gospel. But that's not enough. Some will be sent further than that. Some of us will go to other parts of this state. Some of us may go to other states, yet stay inside of our own country. And some others will be sent to the other most parts of the world. And what are we to do? We are to pray for and support them financially. We are to, to support them in prayer. We are to encourage them. And we are to support them as they are being sent out as God has led them, not through their own power and their own decisions, but because God has laid that duty upon their heart for them to go out and to share the gospel of being reconciled to God. Well, how are we reconciled? Let me just cover that again. As I said at the beginning of this, we are divided from God because of our sin, because we do things we shouldn't do, and because we don't do the things we should do. Two different things. God has pushed us away. Because God is holy, because God is perfect. And because he is holy and he is perfect, he cannot allow things that are not holy and perfect to be around him. These things don't mix. And so because of that, he has pushed us away. We are um, strangers to him and we cannot just go to him all the time. And there's no way for us to do enough good deeds to overcome that. I said this last week. Let me just one more time put this at the forefront of your mind. If good works can save us, Reunite us with God. Don't you think Adam and Eve would be back in the garden? They did one thing. One, you could call it a little sin. Now it wasn't, but let's just call it a little sin. And God kicked them out. Don't you think they just could have been nice to each other and then like got right back in the garden? But it didn't work. Why? Because one little sin is enough to separate us from God so that we can never have access again. That is the problem that all of society and humanity faces. How do we get reconciled or back to God? There is only one way we can do that, and that is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That is why he was sent. That is why he lived on this earth to not only teach us, but then at the end of his life to be falsely accused of all manner of things and to be crucified on a cross, to die, to have a blood sacrifice of a perfect God, human person, to be buried, to be raised to life on the third day, to ascend into heaven, to be seated at the right hand of God, and to say, it is finished. Once and for all, I have brought and paid the price for everyone to come back to you. But it doesn't come free. And it doesn't come automatically. 
It comes only when the Lord God deals with you, it convicts you of all the things that you have done wrong, and says, my son, my daughter, come back to me. You have done this wrong, you have done this, and we are convicted, if you will, or that's a big fancy church word. I tried to break some of those down last week. It's this idea that we're not just sorry for what we've done like we got caught, but we feel burdened and crushed by that. When we really come before God and he tells us truthfully, you are not mine, we are separated. And you have an opportunity to pray to him and ask him for forgiveness, to seek unto him. But so many of us are not willing to let go of whatever it is that we're holding on to. We don't want to give up control. We don't want to give up our pride. We don't want to bend the knee to an almighty God because we are uh, full of ourselves. And whether we would say that out loud or not, that's the posture of many of our hearts, if you will. We're not willing to give up. We don't really believe that he's uh, wanting to save us. So until we get to the end of ourselves, as I say sometimes, until we get to that point when we know that we have to be reconciled to him and we know and recognize that our sins are keeping us apart and we finally give everything we have to him and he reaches down, takes away our sins, forgives us and says, become a new creature in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have come new. We've not been reconciled to him. And we're not ambassadors. But the moment that God forgives our sins, they become as far as east is to the west, is what the scripture says. And he gives us a place of honor. And what is that? To be his ambassador. Brothers and sisters, we are to go out and to preach a very simple gospel that I just tried to. Reconciliation. We have been the offending party. We have violated his rules. We have failed to live up to his standards. And because of that, he has had to send us away. But he wants us back. He sent his son back for this. Let me read a short passage in a summary. I don't often do this, but I thought it was a good summary of what we've covered today. It's by a commentary. He says, The great object of the ministers of reconciliation is to urge this duty on their fellow man. They are to do it in the name of Christ. They are to do it as if Christ were himself present and were himself urging the message. They are to use their arguments, which he would use, and show evidence of the zeal which he would show and present their motives, which he would present to a dying world to, in fact, be reconciled to God. Brothers and sisters, those of us who know the Lord, this is our duty. This is our obligation to represent God. Think about that. How often do we forget this when we leave these doors? How often do we go about our daily lives and get so wrapped up in everything that we're doing that we forget we represent God to a lost and dying world? Do they see him in us? Are we given a clear message to those who need to hear it? Are we trying in our own strength and our own power to give the message it won't work? Are we trying to give a message that he hasn't given? That won't happen either. 
we must be giving the message that God wants us back. Individually, he loves us. And just to pick up one more time on something I mentioned last week. This world tears everything down. We are systematically telling our young people, you have no value. We are systematically telling those who are older, you have no value. We'll just go ahead and help you kill yourself. This is the most perverse, wicked world we've been in in a long time. And there's a lot of contending for that when you read through the scriptures and the history books. But what we have done is we have allowed our culture to sneak in unaware and tell our young and our old and everybody in between, you're just here by accident. Nothing really matters. No one really loves you. We can't even get the basics of a man and a boy right or a girl. You know what I mean? We have confused the truth of what truth is and exchanged it for a lie and told everybody you're completely worthless. It's no wonder we have high depression rates. It's no wonder we have high suicide rates. It's no wonder we have high substance use rates. And what is the answer to all of that? Jesus Christ. Because why? Because he loves you individually. Because when you walk outside on any other day that's not like this, and see the beautiful sunshine and the flowers and the things that God has made and the grandeur that he has given and you feel very small, then remember and share with others that as small as you feel, when you look out at a beautiful vista, God made you and cares about you by name. He loves you. You're not worthless. You are of more value. The scripture says... And the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow. God loves you. He wants you back. And he was willing to sacrifice his son just to get you back. And once you're back, he wants to make you an ambassador. To go out and to give that same message to the rest of the world. And so, brothers and sisters, if you're feeling hopeless, if you're feeling empty inside, if you feel like no one really cares, he does. If you feel like you don't know what your purpose in life is, if in fact you know that you've been saved, then your purpose is to represent God to a lost and dying world. Grab hold of that purpose. And you can do that purpose anywhere. As I said, school, work your home, your friends. You may travel to do that. You may be called upon by God to preach the message. I don't know what God has in store for you, but I know he wants you to serve him as an ambassador to share with the world that they need to come back to God. And if you've never come back to God, well, that's the place to start. Because you can't be an ambassador if you don't belong to him. You have to belong to him first. Just like the president isn't going to pick somebody who isn't a citizen and send them out to represent him. If you're not a citizen of heaven, you're not an ambassador. So let's have a time, an invitation, a time to be obedient to whatever it is that God is calling on you to do, a time to consider what it is that you should do, whether that's you need to seek him for salvation 
Whether that's you need to go and encourage someone else, whether you need to come and pray down here, whether you need to pray at your seat, whatever it is that God is calling and telling you to do inside here, whatever the Spirit of God is leading you to do, this is when you are supposed to be obedient to that. And to fail to be obedient is what? Well, that's just more sin. So let's have a hymn. What number?